then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of Babylon, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider this text, as always, we pray for insight and understanding into the kind of relationship that you're calling us into with you, with ourselves, and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for those of you who haven't been here, you uh, just want to update you that we are in the midst of our fall series on the prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. And also let you know that you can go to avidhope.org and catch up on all the back stories through this, uh, this fun series together, challenging series together, because there's a lot of material to cover in uh, Daniel and Revelation. We've been focusing on some select uh, text, and uh, it's been good to wrestle with these together. So today, our text comes from Revelation chapter 18, and uh, Revelation 18 and 19 are both talking about the subject of Babylon, which is our theme today. And uh, Babylon, as you may know, was an ancient city in Mesopotamia, and uh, it was a world power, not only a great city, but a great kingdom of the world. And uh, it personified, at, in the, for, at least for the Bible purposes, many other kingdoms that were to come, most specifically uh, Rome in the first century. So the idea of Babylon was uh, transcended its, its space as a particular kingdom in a particular time and place. And so uh, it, it, it had an incredible influence. With that said, if we only limit ourselves to thinking of Babylon as a political or sociological issue, then we're missing the point of what the, the terminology that the Bible use when it uses when it describes Babylon. There's a lot more going on here with this, this idea of Babylon that we want to jump into. So, but let's go back to the literal Babylon. Literally, Babylon uh, was around the place in which the, the Tower of Babel stood. And you may, may remember the story in Genesis of the Tower of Babel. It was this place where uh, the humans came together and basically took on God. And so God came down, came down as the story goes in Genesis and says, we're going to have to we're going to have to confuse the language because they are conspiring against us. The people, our people, our creations, our children are conspiring against us. And so this is the Bible's explanation for how we got all the diverse languages that we, we have today, that God came and he confused the languages. Babylon had a, a bunch of gods in their pantheon, but they had two gods in particular, Marduk and Baal, later named, known as Baal in the, the Bible story. Everything about them was antithetical to the idea of the, bio, the God of the Bible. Then Babylon attacked as a kingdom, attacked God's people among many other uh, kingdoms of the day. They were incredibly powerful. Attacked God's people. Uh, you can read about this in the books of Jeremiah and the book of Daniel. Went in, ransacked Jerusalem, took all of the, the nobility out of, uh, out of Jerusalem and took them to Babylon. So Babylon has this incredible history uh, with God's people, but really world history, such as a superpower, if you will. And so again, the idea of Babylon is used throughout the Bible to describe not just socio-political powers, but a, 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 a kingdom, if you will, a way of thinking, a culture that uh, continues to influence the world today. And so Babylon represents many things. Confusion, 
back to the Tower of Babel story, Reject, rejection of the one true God, uh, power, Babylon, if you see the, the indictments that both Jeremiah and, uh, and Daniel and Revelation place on Babylon always goes back to its lust for power. Of course, there's also a litany of atrocities that Babylon created. It gave itself glory and luxury. Jeremiah was very disturbed about how uh, Babylon uh, presented itself as just being this place of just absolute uh, wealth. It boasted about its power, and it took advantage of other people and other nations. These are all elements of, <laughs> of Babylon that were then used to describe other places, other, other, other cultures, other societies, but also talks about a spiritual kingdom, which we, we want to talk about today. So in Revelation chapter 18, God commands his people to come out of uh, Babylon, to leave this, this kingdom of Babylon and come out into something different. Now, God's not telling you and I, like he was for the, first, for the sixth century Israelites, to actually physically leave Babylon, because what, is that, what does that mean? Like, where is Babylon today? And yet, Revelation 18 is for us today. Come out of, of the city. Come out of Babylon. Come out of the kingdom of Babylon today. This is still a message for us today, and it, God's not instructing us to move to a different place or, uh, or you know, find a different place for residence. God is telling us not to, to, to physically or spiritually be a part of this kingdom that is rooted in the ancient ideals of Babylon, of power and and, and uh, a lust for self-reliance. He's calling us to reject the systems that are Babylonian uh, and to embrace God's principles of God's kingdom, to reject the systems of oppression of Babylon and to come into a new kingdom. Now, again, if you're thinking politically or you're thinking sociologically when it comes to Babylon, you're thinking way, way too small and not small enough, right? Babylon permeates everything, the idea of Babylon. And so the reality is that we all hold a little Babylon <laughs> inside of ourselves. We're all, we're, we all have a little part of, of Babylon in us. We all oppress God's principles. We all don't live up to the principles of God's kingdom, but instead embrace the kingdoms, the principles of Babylon. So God is calling us to come out of greed, come out of selfishness, come out of self-centeredness, come out of self-exaltation, and come out of injustice. God is inviting us to come and live a new kind of life, not one that is associated with, with the ways of ancient Babylon, but one that is associated with this kingdom that he is establishing. Everyone is being called out of Babylon. For the Jewish exiles in the 5th and 6th century, that meant very, something very particular. They were leaving one country and going to another. Siri is trying to talk to me. Not now, Siri. Thank you. We'll get back to you. Um, by the funny story, whenever Stephen walks in, whenever, did I say Stephen earlier? Hey, Stephen. Anyway, I remember whenever Stephen walks in the room, Siri gets involved in our conversations, and it must be somehow the way I say Stephen. So, no, okay, she's minding her own business here. All right, so everyone is called out of, of Babylon. All of us are called out of Babylon. Uh, the Jewish exiles were in a very particular or very specific way, but all of us are, coming, are invited to come out, commanded to come out and shun the, the, the principles of the kingdom of Babylon and come into God's kingdom. Get out. Be separate. Be distinctive. 
don't hang around with or mingle with systems that oppress, afflict, or treat unjustly. Get out of that way of thinking. That's the command of God in Revelation chapter 18. Leave Babylonian thinking alone and come into a new kind of kingdom. So we should be prepared to reject anything, anything that resembles uh, the kingdom of Babylon and conflicts with the principles of the kingdom of God. Jesus, in his greatest sermon in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, actually articulates the antithetical ideas uh, that go against the principles of Babylon. He starts his famous sermon, and you may, if you've read his sermon, you're familiar with these words. He, He says this in his sermon, and again, this is antithetical to every idea of the Babylonian principle. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in Revelation chapter 18, God is calling each of us to reject the spirit of Babylon, to reject whatever cultural or political or spiritual or sociological or whatever power that oppresses the kingdom principles that Jesus introduces in Matthew 5 six and seven, or reminds the people of in Matthew five, six and seven. There's one kingdom, it's the kingdom of Babylon. God is calling us out of that kingdom into the kingdom of heaven, where the peacemakers are blessed, where the poor in spirit are blessed. See, in Babylon, the peacemakers, they were not, they were, they were not, they considered blessed. If you were a peacemaker, you were weak. In the kingdom of God, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a completely, completely different uh, set of principles. And so God calling you and me to come out of Babylon. Sounds great. (laughs) But as always, we're left with some questions like, what is inhibiting me from living in God's principles and rejecting the principles of Babylon, because if I'm honest, it's actually kind of hard to leave Babylon behind. And so, what is it? What's, what's holding me into Babylon? What's holding you into Babylon? As always, a number of responses, but two very clear, clear ones. First, we have grown comfortable in Babylon. I would, I would attest that you probably have been raised and steeped in, 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 in Babylon thinking. And so we've grown comfortable with that. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. You've heard of Stockholm Syndrome, where uh, you know, you're taken by some captive, uh, some, you're, you're made it captive by some abusers of some sort, and uh, there is a tendency to, if it's depending on how much time you're with them, to, to start to feel like some affinity for the abuser, Right? I mean, this has implications for all kinds of set, settings, but Stockholm Syndrome, you start to, 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 to gain affinity for the one who is abusing you. You know, in one sense, we're all experiencing some Stockholm Syndrome. We have an affinity for the broken system of this world because that's what we're steeped in. 
We're, we, 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 we have been raised and, 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 and mentored and grown in Babylonian kind of thinking, thinking that is like selfish and self-reliant. And we're told that we got we to gotta get it together on our, our own. We're told that we're, we're first and foremost in, in the world. Like you, you are your own little kingdom. And so we all have a little Babylonianness in our hearts. And so we, 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 we have this affinity with the system in which we have been captured and an affinity for that which abuses us. We've all been in bondage for far too long. We've grown accustomed to the brokenness in this world. Uh, we've even developed a taste for this culture of self-reliance and selfishness. And yet in Revelation chapter 18, God is inviting his people to come out of that thinking, to come out of that culture. No, no longer self-reliant, no longer selfless or selfish, no longer are you putting yourself on the podium. God is inviting us to be a part of his kingdom where the poor in spirit are blessed, where the meek are blessed. I would suggest to you the fact that we're steeped in, in, in Babylon is the reason why when you first read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, or maybe if you read it now today, it's disconcerting to us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is this foolishness? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the mourn. Who says that? In our culture today, who's like blessed are those who mourn? That's not blessed. You know who's blessed? The one who has a great apartment. <laughs> Got a new apartment. It's fabulous. The one whose bank account is full all the time. The one who has a beautiful family, a beautiful spouse. Those are the blessed people. But Jesus said blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the, the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, it's a completely different model. And so Jesus invites us, come out of Babylon. Come out of that way of thinking. Come into this, this new way of thinking, this new life, where it is those who mourn and who are meek and who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are the ones who blessed. But it's a little disconcerting. I mean, you... Homework today, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you're not a little bit disturbed by that, I'd be surprised. You're going to find something in there that's like, this is not normal. <laughs> this is weird thinking. And you think that way, and I think that way, because we are steeped in Babylon. We all have a little Babylon in our hearts. God is inviting us to come out of Babylon. Secondly, we have a, a challenge with this, because leaving Babylon behind means that you're going to be a stranger in a strange land. I mean, Babylon is the way our world works. And so if you're going to live as a resident of the kingdom of God, you're going to end up being, for all intents and purposes, in enemy territory, right? You're going to be behind enemy lines, and so you're going to be a stranger in a strange land, and that can be disconcerting as well. The world isn't friendly to the meek. The world isn't friendly to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the, the world isn't uh, friendly to those who are poor in spirit. And so if you're going to come out of Babylon and come into the kingdom of God, it's going to be challenging. You're going to be a stranger in a strange land. And so leaving Babylon is difficult. Yet God is calling us to come out, to come out of Babylon, to come into this new experience, this new kingdom that he's developing and creating and wanting to steep us in in a new way. Again, more from Jesus' sermon. 
in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. All right, so that's kingdom. That's, that's, that's kingdom of heaven thinking. But we're, we're accustomed to, uh, to the kingdom of Babylon thinking. And so this, love your enemies. I'm sure I like that. You know, especially if you've got some enemies that have really done some bad things to you. The idea of loving them is incredibly disconcerting. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the, the tax collectors doing that? Now that's easy. <laughs> love the people who love you. Love your, your enemies. How about going a little further? This is Matthew chapter 6, same sermon. Don't store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rats destroy. But store up your treasure in heaven, right? So Babylonian thinking is I'm going to store up my, all my treasure here. That was one of the great condemnations. Again, Jeremiah, Daniel, uh, the book of Revelation, all condemn Babylon for their storing up of, of great wealth. And Today, Babylon is thought of as one of the great kingdoms on earth that stored up wealth for itself. Jesus says a whole other, the kingdom of heaven has a whole other way of thinking. Don't store up your treasure on this earth. <laughs> Moth and rats, we know rats here in New York City. You know, right? You saw that article. We're having Zoomers. We're having some rat problems. Our new mayor, though, I love that his platform, literally, it's literally all he says is we can get rid of rats. He won like, I don't know, what he won by like, you know, 70%. Because rats, I mean, if anything we can politically agree on, it's get rid of the rats. Right, Brooke? I knew that. I shouldn't, why did I pick on Brooke? Brooke is a fan of the rat. Mark it down. All right, well, most of us not huge fans of rats, outside of Brooke, who is a lover of all animals. Yeah, so... Um, don't, don't put your treasure in, in, on this earth where the, the rats might get to it. Or moths. How do you feel about moths, Brooke? But down with, okay, down with, we can all agree moths are bad. All right, down with moths. Don't store your treasure in this place where the vermin, actually the Bible says vermin, the rodents. I picked on rats just because, you know, I'm ready for them to be done. But the vermin get to them. Don't store up your treasure here. That's Babylonian thinking. Kingdom of heaven thinking is <laughs> store up your treasure in heaven where nothing can destroy, where your treasure will be safe and sound. And so if, if you're going to come out of Babylon and come out of that way of thinking and come in the kingdom of heaven thinking, you're going to be a stranger in this strange land. You're going to be behind enemy lines because this is not how the world operates. So we've been steeped in the idea of Babylon. And that is disconcerting to us that this whole other world exists. And, and, and then it, you're going to be a stranger in a strange land if you come out, and that can be disconcerting uh, too. But there is good news for us uh, today that we are not left on our own. You know, Rome in the first century was considered as kind of the socio-political Babylon of its, of its day. I mean, it was the superpower. It had all the elements of Babylon before it. And Jesus confronted the Roman system head on. In fact, he was killed by the Roman system. Jesus was killed by Babylon, if you will. 
And for three days, he was in a, a grave and a tomb, and Babylon thought it won. It looked like it would look bad. It looked like the kingdom of this earth had won, Babylon had won, and, the, and, and Jesus was in the grave. But after those three days, you know what happened. The stone was rolled away, and you know who ran away? The Roman soldiers. <laughs> the Roman soldiers, they got out of there because a new day had dawned. And so if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know about this coming out of Babylon. I don't know what the kingdom of heaven is like. You can think about those three days Jesus rested in the tomb, and on the third day he came out. And because he came out, we can have hope that we can come out of the kingdom of Babylon and live in God's kingdom and flourish because Jesus has overcome all of the things that you might fear from the kingdom of Babylon. What are you going to fear? Are you going to fear death? I mean, that's the, the ultimate thing. <laughs> Death is going to happen to you. Well, good news. Jesus overcame that. He came out of the grave. And because Jesus has done what he's done, because he faced Rome, because he faced Babylon head on, rested in the grave and came out of the grave, we have hope that we too, as we come out, Jesus came out of the tomb, as we come out of Babylon, as we come out of our own tomb, the promise is that God is there with us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is there any better passage in the whole Bible, any better promise that I will never, when will he leave? Never, never going to leave us and never forsake us. And so today, if you're thinking about the Babylonian-ness in your heart, or you're thinking about the steepness that you, you, you are a part of as being steeped in this Babylonian uh, world in which we live in, and you're hearing the call of Jesus to come out and come into his kingdom, and it makes you a little nervous, it's okay. But you can take heart. Because Jesus came out of the tomb, because Jesus came out of the tomb, you can come out of Babylon. And you can live a, a new life in God's kingdom with God's principles, where, where, the, where people are blessed because they mourn and long and seek for righteousness for God's kingdom to be fully revealed in this world. And so if you keep reading in Revelation, you'll get to Revelation chapter 21, and Revelation chapter 1 talks about that day when all things are made new, when God's kingdom is made complete, when, when the city, another city, not Babylon, <laughs> not Rome, not Jerusalem, but the new Jerusalem comes, and then we're told that God is going to establish that kingdom and his people are going to be around him because he's going to live in the midst of his people. That's the great promise of the kingdom that is to come. But now, the invitation, the command, if you will, is for us here today to come out of Babylon. So I don't know exactly what that means for you. I don't know where Babylon has seeped into your experience, what parts that you're holding onto, where, what area of self-reliance or selfishness you're, you're holding onto your experience, but the call of Jesus, the call of Revelation 18 is to come out. Is to come out. God is inviting us to come out, but He never invites us to come out without some place to go. There's some place for us to go. God's kingdom that now exists here on earth through the work of Jesus and through the work of His church, but one day is going to exist on planet earth made new as God dwells among his people. This is the great promise of that great challenge to come out of Babylon.
God's people. And so, may God give you that courage today. First, may he give you that insight to see where Babylon has seeped into your experience and what part of Babylon you're holding on to. And then may he give you the courage and the power and the will to come out and to enter into God's kingdom, a kingdom where you can be blessed. May he do that in you today. Amen.